Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, day 460 of our three-year journey through the Word of God, one chapter at a time, brings us to Acts chapter 8. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word, for the gift that your Word is to us, for the truth that it reveals to us, for Christ, who is the center and the heart of your word, and for the salvation we have in him. Draw our hearts to Christ by your Holy Spirit through your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 8. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. And when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scriptures that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That's Acts chapter 8. This is a pivotal chapter in the book of Acts because it's kind of the last chapter before the focus is going to largely shift to Saul's conversion and then the ministry thereafter of the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's not totally the end of it, focus on anyone else, but it's, it's important. It's also an extension of the stories of the, of the first deacon. So we're told about Stephen first, a great deacon who was the first martyr, and now here's Philip, a great deacon. And notice that these guys are deacons, they're servants. They were picked because they were full of the Spirit, had good reputation. They were waiting tables, they were handing out food to the widows, but they were so gospel-centered and such capable uh, men, they went about preaching and teaching. Maybe not all the deacons did, but clearly Stephen and Philip both did to great effect. So we see the apostle, uh, the future apostle Paul as Saul of Tarsus ravaging the church. Stephen has died. He was stoned to death at the end of chapter seven, which Mike led us through a couple of days ago. And then we have here his, his burial. And then this note that Saul is ravaging the church, going house to house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. The contrast to that is this ministry that Stephen began is continuing through another deacon, Philip. And he goes up to Samaria, to the Samaritan region, and he's preaching the word of God. And he's preaching the word of God with power, with the effective power of the Holy Spirit, who does give signs and wonders during this foundational generation of the church to affirm uh, the truth of what is being preached. But the gospel is being used by the Holy Spirit to change people's hearts 
and bring them to Christ, even though those people as of yet have not received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The, the apostles are given this special privilege, this, um, this role within the founding of the church to be able to lay hands on people and have them receive the Holy Spirit. It's a special gift that comes only from God. And so there's a guy named Simon who had been a magician who was telling people how great he was. And he hears about Jesus and he's interested and he follows Philip and he, he seems to come to faith in, in Jesus. But then he sees the apostles come, Peter and John, and their ability to lay hands on people and have them receive the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. He's like, I've got to get that. That's the all-time magic trick. This is something I couldn't have with my previous life, but this is even better. And he comes from a world where if you want something, you pay money for it and you buy it. So he thinks he can pay money to buy it. And, and Peter rebukes him uh, very, very, uh, very strongly. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Now, sadly, in church history, there comes about a, a very serious and systemic sin problem called simony. And it arises sometime after Constantine, the emperor, recognizes Christianity as a legal religion, and then later Christianity is established as the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then in those, in those ensuing years, it becomes a practice that the church, now established with royal favor within the Eastern Roman Empire, now politically and socially advantageous to be a Christian and be part of this, people begin to purchase positions as bishop within the church. And before too long, basically most of the people who are bishops within the church are people who have bought those positions. And this sin is called simony. And sadly, the church will practice this for basically a thousand years. It will be the Council of Trent which is launched in opposition to the Reformation that will condemn the Reformation, but it will also condemn simony and, and put, an, put an official end to that practice that plagued the church for so long. This just shows how, you know, political power, earthly wealth can come in and corrupt the church. Peter handled this correctly. He said, you cannot buy the gift of God with money. And I think sometimes today people think, well, if we spend enough money and we spend the money in the right places doing the right kinds of things, we can sort of get God to act and to really bless our ministry and to have this great result. And that's not how the moving of the Spirit of God works. We don't control the Holy Spirit, and we certainly don't control the Holy Spirit through, through money. And so <clears throat> um, he's rebuked, and they go back to Jerusalem having having blessed the people of Samaria with the Holy Spirit. And now we have the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is told to go, and he's told exactly who to go to and exactly what to do when he gets there. You know, go, go and find this guy, and uh, I want you to go tell him, you know, what you're supposed to do. And so uh, he goes over, he joins the chariot, he just so happens to hear him reading from Isaiah 53, this is, and then Philip is able to tell him, about Jesus. And I think it's very interesting here that this foreigner, this Ethiopian, when he comes to know the truth about Jesus, 
He doesn't want to be circumcised and convert to Judaism. He wants to be baptized and, and you know, be brought into the church, essentially. So this is one of the passages that we can point to in the New Testament to say, this is a place where normally if someone were an adult converting to faith in Yahweh, the one true God, they would look to be circumcised. But here he's looking to be baptized. And that's a significant change. The, the outward form of this sacrament changes from circumcision to baptism as we go from Old Covenant to New Covenant. There's a transition period where the church is learning these things, but this is one of those places where uh, he's not circumcised, he's baptized as he's brought into, uh, brought into the church. I don't want to make a big deal about mode here because I think it's <clears throat> not really possible to draw much from this passage regarding mode. Uh, some people think that the fact that they go down to the water and they come up out of the water shows that Philip definitely immersed the eunuch in water. But I would just point out that it says they both went down into the water and they came up out of the water. So if that going down into the water and coming up out of the water are supposed to be verbs that indicate immersion, then you'd have to say that Philip was immersed in the water as well. That seems unlikely. Now, you could say, well, they go down into the water. Why would they go down there except that Philip is going to immerse him? I think that's reading into the text. I don't think that's there in the text. Um, but I don't think you can say anything about mode one way or the other, other than that baptism requires water, which I think is rather obvious. What do we draw from this? Okay, I think what we need to draw from this, first of all, in the example of Simon the Magician, is that we cannot manipulate, control, or buy a movement of the Spirit of God among his people. We want to see the church grow. We want to see people come to know the Lord. We want to see people deepen in their faith in Christ and their walk with the Lord. We can pray and we can ask God. We can pray and we can ask God, but we can't program it, we can't control it, and we can't buy it. And we need to realize the moving of God's grace is the sovereign act of God himself. But then the second thing that I think we need to see is that we ought to be about the business of taking the gospel to those who need to hear about Jesus. We need to be going out, preaching the gospel, and seeking to bring people to Christ, because that's what God has given us to do. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we have a gospel to take to the world and to the nations. We thank you that we have a Christ, a Savior, to proclaim to those who need to know him. Give us courage and boldness to do that. And Father, we do pray that you would bless the church with faithfulness, with real, substantial spiritual growth, with the growth that you would have uh, ordained for us in terms of the size of the church and the location of the church and the influence of the church for your gospel within our, within our community. And Father, to you be the glory in all things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's Acts chapter 8. Thanks for joining me. And as always, have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.